you know, art includes so much rejection, so much adversity, so much of having to, to see maybe a, a negative review or um, there's also many joyful things about it. But, you know, you have to weather that and internally be like, OK, and just keep going. Welcome to the Flying Through Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art in the creative process. I'm the host and creator, Ernest, and this is the first part of a two-part conversation with the amazing Sarah Jameson. Sarah is a fine artist based out of Washington, D.C. in the United States. Using her preferred material of coloured pencils, Sarah creates incredibly realistic images that explore the existential topics such as life, death, love, and language. So um, I'll start where I start with everybody, which is just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Okay. Um, I guess I'll start by saying that my name is Sarah Jameson, as you already know. Um, And I'm an artist. And how I became an artist, really, it's just, it's the only thing that I've ever wanted to do. Um, I feel like the idea of being an artist is really tied up in my identity. I just never saw another path, even as a really young child. So it's a trajectory I saw myself on. It's a trajectory I am on now. So, yeah. So I guess a kind of an interesting question from that that I didn't write down would be like, what was your first experience with art? Wow. Um, You know, I've always loved drawing and making art. And I, you know, have to say that both of my parents were always very supportive. You know, whatever my sister and I were interested in, they always took as seriously as we took it, they took it, you know. And I say that, you know, primarily I grew up with my my mom as my parent. Um, but my dad is a very creative individual, also a very like, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's this element of growing up that included you know, my dad being um, a very talented musician who could play anything um, and very artistically creative. He would make plaster sculptures. Sometimes it'd be really unhinged stuff, like weird um, alien plaster masks, you know, around in the backyard with this stuff that, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what you would call it. It's like bizarro, low-key, crazy man art, but um. So when you have that element in your background, it really, I think, like, engenders a feeling of anything goes, you can be creative, be wild, be weird. Um, And it was smiled on, you know, in in my immediate family. So I think that helps when you want a less traditional career path. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think that's, this is the biggest thing. The reason I asked the question was because, like, a lot of artists I speak to say, you know, oh, I'm destined to be an artist, or it's just, you know, Mm -hmm. I just know what it's that that's intuitive but it's like it doesn't come from nowhere you have to have some kind of like upbringing or there has to be a place in the home where art is spoken about and art is encouraged and, and created yeah. because otherwise you, we see a lot of times where people aren't encouraged or people aren't sure. told that art is a, a valid career when it actually is it's a hard career it's uncertain mm-hmm. but yeah. it's still a valid career people are making millions of being artists so yes you know it's kind of like it just does a huge disservice, I think, to, you know, potential future artists for them sure. to hear that it's not a good career. So it's nice to hear that you were raised in a household that, you know, really adopted that and kind of, you know, fostered that. For sure. 
For sure. Yeah. I think that encouragement counts for a lot. And I think when you, I don't know, pursuing art isn't any less safe than going to college or whatever and not knowing what you're going to do and just kind of choosing and hoping. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's very true because, you know, just, and even like the thing for me, like, even if you have a degree, doesn't mean that the degree you did is going to give you a job at the end of it. Oh, not you know, at all. This is the thing, yeah. especially in today's economy where like, you know, jobs are very hard to come by yes. for, many for many people. And not just that, really live in a society where you can create your own job. You know, you can be your own boss and you can, you know, be freelance and you, and it's hard work, but it's an option. Sure. I don't know. Um, but talking about like work and education, like, so did you study art or are you self-taught? Uh, I did study art. I went um, to the Corcoran College of Art and Design, which I say was in Washington, D.C. It's sort of, I don't know, mismanaged itself <laughs> into the ground. Now it's part of the George Washington University. So it's not like an independent institution anymore. Um, but I did go there. I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. Um, so I guess you could say I have sort of that traditional background in arts education. But what are your thoughts on art education? Like, is it important for an artist to have a degree? You know, I don't think it's necessarily important. I have a lot of friends who didn't go to art school or um, didn't even really have any sort of background, per se, in the arts. And after the fact, you know, chose to pursue an artistic path to great success, you know, whether they're freelance people or doing whatever they do. Um and it's hard. I don't I don't want to speak on um, the experience now. I think I certainly reflect on my time in art school as important. Um, and I've met a lot of, you know, the most important people in my life, you know, the most intimate relationships for friends or my my husband I met at art school. Um, you know, you pick up a few a few tips and tricks, but also sometimes I'm like, ah, what did I learn for my money? Um and I think, too, you know, I hope now it's different. There wasn't a ton of emphasis. And I've talked to other folks who've gone to art school. I feel like maybe this is a sentiment for everyone still. Hopefully it's not. But um, there's not a lot of emphasis on practical um, going and being an artist. You know, there's very little talk of like doing your taxes, um, yeah. what being a working artist looks like, how to you know, be out in the art world and make contacts and build relationships. And um, I think as well, I don't know how old you are, but I graduated in 2010. And I think of that as a time where like social media was very much in its infancy. You had to really be a super smart person, I think, to be using it in a way that was career oriented. Yeah. Um, so it just really was not in any of the toolkits given by faculty to students or for students, like it was still very much, you know, you'd be using filters and that like rounded edge cropped frame and nobody was, well, I don't want to say not nobody, no one I knew was using it in a way that would be constructive um, for building their art career. And so I think that's a big element of being successful or at least findable um, in the art world now and it just wasn't around, you know, when I was getting the arts education. So I say eh, it's an individual thing. If it, if it, I don't discourage it, but I don't necessarily say it's a must do. And my, that's my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, it's a really good point. And actually, like, so I'm 30. So when I graduated, okay. I did a degree 
back in 2012, Crodo 2015. And it's the mm-hmm. same thing, like social media was like, back then actually, the social media was like a lot more present. But the, the thing is like, you raise a good point in terms of like the access to mm-hmm. findability and discoverability, especially in this day and age is almost oversaturated. This is the problem mm-hmm. we have now is that we're in a, a society where there is too much art in many yeah. respects. Or like there's too many artists, you, you can't concentrate on everything at once because there's just too much filtering through the system. You know, some of it amazing, some of it not so. And it's kind of like, it's hard to discern what's good and what's not because, you know, there's not a lot of art education in terms of like, oh, art is subjective. There's also not a lot of education about what is good and what isn't good or, you know, because it's subjective, it's people's purpose, people's personal tastes, all that fun stuff. Absolutely. But I think it's um, interesting because a lot of people say, exactly what you said like it's an individual basis because education isn't for everybody i think it can be really important and you can make some really great connections a lot of people you know i know have made great connections from having done a degree or they've really learned something about themselves doing that degree that they wouldn't have otherwise but then there may be things you might be able to find on your own potentially so yes i definitely i think it definitely depends on the person there's also i mean i can speak only to like the u.s institutions but there's a big difference if you get into somewhere that sort of has blue chip connections hmm. you know your sort of state school with an art program may not necessarily offer you what and I don't want to like necessarily name names but you know yeah. there's some schools where you're like okay okay they're getting funneled into um a very specific pipeline or at least coming into because I also have the belief like you mentioned it your degree sort of only works as hard as you do um but that gives you access, I would say, maybe shortcuts to um, places that would take people with less resources longer to reach, if ever. So that's another thing too worth considering. I think. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if the same the same thing could be said here for the UK. Maybe it could be, but I don't really know enough about like what the best universities and colleges and places are here um, because um, don't pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> I do, though, wonder, actually, now you said that, it kind of makes me think of, like, degree shows and mm-hmm. the um, the way in which people will go to degree, show, degree shows to seek out new talent and then foster that new talent. I feel like that's always a good plus of doing a degree, is like the degree show and the potential mm-hmm. to have your work seen by somebody who might actually be considering investing in it or at least looking for new talent. I guess that could sure. be. That could probably be yeah. the only benefit. Um, so why is art important to you? I mean, it it all sort of stems back to just that feeling of like, that it's just this integral part of me, it's inseparable from my selfhood. So there, you know, it's sometimes hard to put into words where it's like, it's important to me because I think of it as me, you know, in the way that other people I'm sure have other, you know, things that they identify themselves with. But when I think of myself, if I were to describe myself, it would be like, yes, I'm, you know, an artist. And that's sort of the primary thing. I think it's just always been the thing that I have associated with like my purpose, my reason for being. And so if you're always operating under that pretense, there's no thinking of like, why is it important? Should I go after it? It's kind of like, okay, you have to be doing it or you're just unhappy and you're not living in this meaningful space you're not sort of being true to this core identity aspect (laughs) it's hard it's really hard to kind of put put the right words to it but it's this thing that um, I'm always 
chasing because I feel that I must do it. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. I hear a lot of people say the same thing, but I kind of also wonder, like, yeah. if you weren't an artist, what else would you think you'd be doing? Oh, uh, archaeology. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only other thing I think I could see. There's something I, I have such a strong interest in, um, like archaeology or we'll say like culture history generally. And for me, I I think of like sitting crouched with little trowels looking, you know, for hours for one little gem. I feel like I love it. <laughs> so that's a really interesting consideration because it's quite an interesting parallel to the work that you create and the idea of you sitting in front of a piece of work for hours, mm-hmm. creating something. You know, that's kind of really interesting, actually. That's a nice parallel. Yeah, I love a, a long, tedious, <laughs> dig it out, arduous, process I do I don't know so one thing where I'm like I've never felt necessarily called to pursue that but it's like on a bucket list of because I know you can join um volunteer like digs and things yeah yeah so that's on a bucket list where I'd love to maybe like spend a summer and go and do at some point in life yeah oh that's a cool idea it's always interesting to know what people's interests are outside of art because I feel like Mm -hmm. you know as you said if art is kind of like if it's part of your identity like mm-hmm. at what point do you lose yourself to that because you know you are still a human at the end of the day you know yeah it, and it can be hard you know it's it's such a complexity of um pursuing art full-time which I'm privileged to be able to do the last five years I've been doing art exclusively and it's the most rewarding joyful purpose-filled thing of my existence however it's also the most tumultuous sort of um, anxiety inducing when the thing that you love is the thing that you also have to equate to like, okay, uh, it's not making the money it needs to make at X, Y, and Z time. It becomes connected to all these fundamental like life, like bill paying it can also easily become, you are lost in it, but it's like your biggest blessing. And I say it with an asterisk. I don't want to call it your biggest curse, but um, it can be very unwieldy and heavy to hold when it's trying to fulfill every part of your life practical and sort of like idealistic. It's hard for it to be both. Um, so it can cause a lot of contention, um, minor breakdowns. I don't know. It operates on many levels. So it's like uh, you're always lost to it in ways good and bad. I don't it's yeah. so hard to speak on, but <laughs> I'm sure other folks who pursue their, their the things that they love maybe feel similarly. Oh, yeah. I can imagine because it's like, you know, We'll get into it in a actually not that long. We'll get into it in a bit, but no, it's true because it's like yeah. if you do anything full time, you're doing it full time. You know, it's going to become the way you pay your bills. You know, the way you, and it will give you the boundaries or limitations of what you kind of what you can't afford to do because it depends on the work you produce. It. it I meet so many artists who are part time who always say to me, oh, "I would love to be full time," and I always say to them, like enjoy what you're doing now because when you become a full-time artist you're not going to create any more work you won't be creating any more work you'll be doing all the admin stuff that comes along with you creating the work you're creating now 
yeah, because I you'll mean, have to look for galleries. You'll have to be selling your work. You'll work, you know, you'll have to market your work. And mm-hmm. if you don't like marketing your work, you, you're going to struggle because yeah. how else are going to make money if people don't know who you are? Absolutely. And I think there's a perception that doing art part-time or having a part-time gig to supplement your artwork, at least for myself, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but it's equated with maybe like not being there yet, or perhaps mm-hmm. I've failed because I need to go back to a job. But I just think it isn't true. I mean, I was just, I mean, I, I, someone sent me a reel today. One of my friends and I have been talking about reading that Rick Rubin book, um, drawing a blank, but it's about creativity and inspiration. Um, but it was a clip of him just speaking on, you know, sometimes the calling in your life exists outside of the space where you do what you have to do to make sure you can live and walk in your purpose. And it's just, um, you know, I'm a full-time artist, but I sort of never disclose the idea of maybe you need to pick up, like, you know, my background's been in different art jobs or waiting tables and things like that. And even now I wear several hats. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that too, but, yeah. um, you know, it's like you, you do what you must do and it's not a regressive step or, you know, a commentary on whether or not what you're doing is valid or loved or successful. So I don't know. That's one thing I always kind of like to, to muse on because I have a lot of friends who kind of go in and out of sort of traditional working, we'll call it, um, in order to keep their arts practice moving in a forward trajectory. Yes, I agree completely with that because I know a lot of artists who work who who do art full time, but they're not necessarily getting paid full time. Yeah, it takes. A and lot. I feel like there's a distinction between being a full time artist because you're making the money to be able to live, and being a full time artist, but you're very very much struggling to make a living. You know, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like sometimes you should just kind of accept the fact that you could be in a much better place if you did have a part-time job and you're making, you know, your bills are being met and your needs are being met and you can still create the work you're creating. Right. You know, because I think, you know, I, I don't know, like I know, I know a lot of people, a lot of really, really, really amazing artists, but they're very stubborn. I think it's just mm-hmm. a thing with artists because it's about, I think in many ways it's probably about control and the idea of like being able right. to choose the life you want, you know, because, you know, with all that obsession of the artists is like, you know, they're the kind of person who can just kind of do what they want and they wake up and create art when it's nothing, yeah. you know, nothing like that. Yeah, I think I a lot of the people I know are very much like, I only want to do this because this is what I really believe in, which I, I respect. But at the same time, like, that's not always practical. Sometimes right. you have to realize, like, actually, you need to make money. And if what you're doing right now is making the kind of money you need, you need yeah. to think about that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I can only say that to people to they're going to listen to me. I co-sign on it, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so let's talk a bit about you becoming a full-time artist. So actually, I'm just kind of curious, Jenna, like, how did that kind of journey happen? And at what point did you know you were able to be a full-time artist? You, um, mine happened, so, you know, I went to art school and, and leave with loans, as you do, and I'm busy, you know, working various jobs or waiting tables, and honestly, leaving art school, I kind of was feeling like, hey, well, don't even know up from down. I don't know. It's been four years of this weird experience. So um, I waited tables for the longest, as I said, and then I began recruiting, um, arts recruiting at my college that I went to. But ultimately, I mentioned earlier, they sort of, you know, disintegrated as an institution. And so 
that was, you know, people getting fired left and right, a lot of transition. Ultimately, um, I made it over to George Washington University, worked for a time in their office, um, but really uh, no shade to George Washington University, but it really wasn't the fit. It wasn't the space that out-and-out arts recruiting had been previously. Um, And so I left there to go work at Whole Foods doing design and signage. And, um, you know, being there was really a blessing. The hours were like very early, like 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. But it allowed me to really start concentrating on making art um, and really became that ideal I don't even want it to call it as full-time work, but, you know, getting home around three, I have the whole day to think, you know, what do I want to do? What am I doing? How do I move forward? Um, So that was around 2016, 2017. um, And I was able to start getting some, um, just a little bit of momentum, you know, showing work uh, locally, was able, was fortunate enough to earn a couple solo shows. So I felt like, you know, this is great. It's kind of really taking off and flash forward a few years, 2018. I don't know. The dates get fuzzy now, Um, but Amazon purchased Whole Foods and they sort of gutted out a ton of stuff. Um, And so I knew it was coming. They gave us the timeline and I was kind of like, all right, let's hang on. Let's get the severance package. Let's figure out what's next. Um, You know, and, and I was sitting with my husband um, eating tacos somewhere and talking about next steps. And he was really like, what if you just tried art full time, you know, and I'm sort of feeling overwhelmed and I'll cry anywhere for any reason. So I'm there like crying over tacos, you know, and he was just kind of like, why not try? There's been no, what you would consider a safe job everywhere you've been has you know, had some sort of tumultuous thing, whether it's getting bought, well, both cases being bought by another institution, things are changing. And he's like, you know, what's the worst thing? If it doesn't work out, you find a new job. Um, He's like, so I believe in you (laughs) and you should do it. Um, And so that really was terrifying in many ways, but to link back to the art school conversation, although he's not a practicing artist, more of a hobby for him. You know, he's someone for whom it all sort of makes sense. He understands the world, the nature of art, sort of the up and down um, process of just trying to what make it. I don't know if there's a better phrase. Um, so in some ways, I in many ways, not some ways, always, I feel very blessed to have a partner that um, sort of gets it. So that was, that was it. And it's been up and down, you know, a real roller coaster of some years. I'm like, what am I doing? I, 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 I don't know. Um, But then some years it's like, wow, no, this has been a really fruitful year. And, and I'm making, you know, good, like a full-time equivalent money doing this. Um, So, you know, when it's good and when it's bad, he's been a great cheerleader that, you know, I'm not wanting to jump off this path, but he's always someone who's like, you know, he's very measured. I'm kind of the one who's all over the place and he's a little (laughs) more even killed. But to say, you know, look at, you know, a step back, 
look at the, the full picture, look at, you know, all that's yet to be done. You can't be so hard on yourself. Most businesses take a long time. I mean, essentially any working artist, any working X, Y, and Z person with whatever dream they're chasing, you know, if you were doing a brick and mortar, you wouldn't expect for many years, you know, when they say you're taking out loans, you're opening a new business. If you're doing it that way, you're not supposed to be generating true income for, you know, however many years sure. you're operating on loans in the first part. And so, you know, someone who I think is a good measured balance to my anxiety, that's sort of always like at level 10. Um, so all that to say, you know, he was an integral step in me jumping into it and an integral step for me when I need to be like talked down <laughs> off a ledge of like, I just, I don't know what's next or, you know, at times that feel very um, uncertain in the journey of art making, but that was kind of what it was. And um, I'm grateful to him and he helps me sort of, I think on any journey, the one thing that you can't do is quit. Um, and so that's what I'm operating under. And that's something that um, he's sort of helped me in the background being my biggest cheerleader, making sure that I do it. Yeah. See, I think that's interesting for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. I think the first is the idea of, well, several ideas. The first is the idea of routine. The idea mm -hmm. of like, yeah, you had a job that you may not have liked and it might have been like an early job, but you had mm -hmm. the routine to then go and have the time to create. You, yes. you could set that time aside. It might have been like the amount of time you wanted, but it's still a period of time in which you could be like, okay, every night from like three till six, I'll mm -hmm. work on something, you know, and then you can have that routine. I think routine, I'm a huge fan of routine. I have, I work very early. My days are very long because I do this. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, I'm a huge fan of routine. And I think every artist needs to kind of figure out a routine for themselves, which, you know, it's a conversation I had actually last week with an artist who's an interview I edited this morning, but, um, we need people need routines but people need to understand what their routines are and yes. when they're most productive and when they are going to be able to create work because i feel like if you're if you have a part-time job especially and it's like all over the place like different shifts every day you're not going to have time to create mm -hmm. you're not going to be in the mood set to create you need to carve some time out for yourself which just for you to create and then therefore you'll have a body of work to produce and then therefore you'll have that something to show to people you know i think it's it's trying to find it's finding the time to create the work in a meaningful way i guess um so the second thing that's interesting is the idea of like severance pay and the fact that your job kind of like came to a natural end mm -hmm. i think i've heard from a lot of artists that the reason they went full-time is because of that because their jobs mm -hmm. their, their full-time jobs kind of went bust mm -hmm. so i feel like if you have a full-time job and you want to do art making that leap is always hard mm -hmm. so to have some kind of like natural occurrence to make you yes. like kind of force you to give you that time I think that's a lot easier so I think that's also good and thirdly the support I think that's something that a lot of artists don't have it's mm -hmm. somebody very close by to give mm -hmm. them that support and to say to them you know what like don't worry like what is the worst that can happen and also mm -hmm. the funny thing about your husband is that if anything did happen like <laughs> he'd be the one picking up the pieces yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, yeah I'm like careful careful <laughs> <laughs> and hey if he's willing to do that they're like fair enough I mean yeah <laughs> but yeah. I think that's I think that's really interesting though because oh, it just shows that like you have to go go along with life circumstances to find yourself in the position that you're in mm -hmm. um and it's nice because i guarantee you like maybe had your job not been 
had that company not been overtaken by the company, maybe you would still be working there. Yeah, it's possible. It was a job that I did truly enjoy and love, you know, it was, you know, a a low stress, you don't take it home, mostly fun, you know, reasonably creative. Um, Yeah, I could, I would have definitely foreseen eventually maybe making that transition, but it Mm -hmm. may not have been to when I don't know. Um, But I, I do think, you know, that the name of the game is truly, like you said, sticking to that schedule and discipline. If, hmm. and you mentioned too, sort of carving out that space to create, and but also acknowledging that you're not always going to feel like it. Not every day, and this yeah. is particularly important when it's full time, is a magical day in the studio where you wake up feeling inspired and like just ready to get in there and hit it. It might be a day where you feel like trash and like nothing you do is coming the way you want or whatever it is, you know? And so it's the discipline to make the time to create and do it no matter what. It's that effort over time sort of equation that I'm hedging my bets that effort over time equals (laughs) success in any way that it can be defined. You know, it's not necessarily like showing at the Louvre or something, not that I don't do that, but you know, all that to say, it's like, there's nothing without discipline. And that's just full stop, period, end. So when did you feel comfortable giving yourself the title of an artist? You know, it still feels a, a little bit weird to say. You know, I started saying it when I started doing it full time. Um, but for people outside of the world of art, um, and it's often, you know, it's like it's well-meaning, I think, when people say this and maybe like my extended family or whoever, you know, they mean nothing by it, but they're always like, Ooh, what? like, Oh, how do you make money? Like, let's, you know, and then you find yourself in this space where it feels as if you're having to sort of like justify and explain. Um, so like that always, you know, it still happens. And so it feels hmm. a little, eh, yeah. Um, but you know, I just think it's like another one of those instances where you stand in it and you only owe as much explanation. You know, I don't know. Artists never go to other people and they're like, "Mm, astrophysics, like, how'd you get into it? You know? Um, So I don't know, but I I fully embraced it since doing it full time. It never felt very authentic to say it if I was doing, you know, a side hustle or doing a, you know, I'm waiting tables and serving steak and being like, I'm an artist. Um, there's something about that, that always, there was like a certain dissonance there, but, um, I've embraced it more fully (laughs) since starting full-time. I think maybe it's because people aren't educated enough to understand the kind Mm -hmm. of the spectrum of what being an artist is, because people think, oh, if you say I'm an artist, I'll call you, you draw or call you paint. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, you do so many of the different things. And, um, what, and I guess there's a reason to the question nicely. In terms of like, what other hats do you have to wear as an artist in terms of like just the creation of the work? Yeah, a lot. I mean, and I'm sure you can certainly relate to this as well, (laughs) but you know, you're the one who's scheduling, you're always researching, you know, and replying, submitting applications, which is a ton of writing all the time. You know, it might be grant writing you're doing, you're maintaining and ordering all of your studio supplies. 
You're the one, you know, that's being your social media manager. So making sure that when I'm drawing, I'm thinking, oh, okay, let me go ahead, film this content. I got to put out a time lapse. Um, and let me make sure it's a reel because that seems to be the thing that Instagram's pushing to high heaven, you know, and then being like, oh, you know, do I dip my toe into TikTok? Do I do, you know, shorts on YouTube? Because those are probably also getting pushed to the moon right now as they've just rolled it out. Um, on top of, you know, you're delivering the work, you're packing the work, you're sending the work, you're making sure you're offering prints so that there's always some sort of option for people who maybe can't buy a full retail price piece or that you have, you know, little bits of residual income kind of coming in from time to time. Um, teaching for myself, one of my side hustles that I very much enjoy is I'll teach an art class for adults once a week. Wow. It's so fun. But, you know, that's one where it's like, okay, let me make sure that I'm reaching out and contacting to make sure we can order supplies for the class. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy a bottle of wine so we can all have a good time and, and draw. Um, but it's everything. It's constantly making sure you're staying in touch, you're massaging relationships, you're, you know, being aspirational, thinking, okay, if I'm sitting in front of TV and I'm watching my Wednesday wrestling, I'm going to be productive on Instagram. And I'm going to look for galleries that are, you know, showing work that I think is analogous to my work. And I'm going to follow and then I'm going to like a few things. And then I might be like leaving a few flirty comments. It seeps into, you know, if I get an order at night, I'm making sure I'm going upstairs, like getting things prepared for the next day. It's something that there is no like off, no you know, I make my schedule. If I wanted to like jump a train to another state today, I could do it, but you're never off of work. Um, the hats you wear are a lot. You're always being like, oh, maybe I should submit, you know, throw my name in the hat for the new building area they're doing in the city so they can have my name in the pool for mural potential. Um, you're just always following a lead, tying up a loose end, saving a receipt, doing your taxes, hoping that you are only committing a little bit of fraud. So that way you can go on to the next year to do it all again. <laughs> um, it requires a lot. You're essentially, you are the business, you know, and then every interaction you're doing, you're trying to leave with um, the most positive sort of lingering aftertaste so that you're invited back to the next thing. Um, yeah. You're always on, you're always doing, you're always going. It feels a little icky at times, but like always perceiving um, relationships, both as like friendships, but there's something, there's always somewhat of like a transactional element yeah. to them, you know, for better or worse. And so in the art world, like, you know, especially in you think of local level, but, you know, it's a, it's a small world. And I do think like the way to go about it, despite, like I said, it being icky is sort of having the mindset of like what you bring to the table, but also what the whomever it is you're interfacing with, you know, what they also um, can can offer or perhaps like, you know, we were talking at the beginning of the interview, sort of the way that you find artists. And I think that's like the perfect example, right? Hmm. Um, of artists that talk about other artists and, you know, even otherwise, you know, people who are collectors, gallerists, podcasters, you name it. Um, we sort of all have to hold in mind what um, the network potential is 
as well as just the fun and friendship potential. But, yeah. You know, that's sort of part of the game, I think. Yeah. See, it's funny because one thing that I actually never pay attention to, and I, I don't know if people even know this or not, but I, I never actually pay attention to social media stats when I interview somebody mm-hmm. or when I feature people. I don't mm-hmm. actually look at any of that. What I look at is, do I like this person's work? Is this something I want to know about it? If the answer to that is yes, and then I'm like, cool, let me ask them if they want to interview. If they say yes, strangely, then I'll be like, cool, let's, let's arrange a date and a time. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could pick very specific artists and very specific, um, like, follower accounts, for instance, and, yeah. and, and become way more successful. But for me, that's not the point. The point is that, like, that's, it's about discovering artists and talking to them and yeah. giving people time. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting. I think now you said that, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Because, it open? And it's not wrong to think about, you know, like you're essentially running a business. And so hmm. if you were to hand select artists who, you know, not discluding people who have small following, yeah. you know, because I know a lot of people who are fabulous artists and care nothing about social media. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. But it's like, you know, you, you are running a business. And so it behooves you to reach out to artists in the mix who do have a large following and there's nothing wrong you know about that yeah. it's like, to sustain yourself these are all the calculations that we have to make yeah. to continue to to be viable in whatever way that yeah. means you know i don't know everyone's goal is not necessarily to make money or be a millionaire or yeah. you know have a retrospective exhibition but it's just like um running your own business calculus i guess i don't know it's a good way to put it but I've yeah. I've always loved discovering artists that have less followers that are just incredible mm-hmm. people, incredible artists. And I think, actually, just from my experience, I think a lot of the times, small artists are more approachable. Sure. I think that yeah. also plays a huge Easier part. To as well. get to, for yeah. sure. And not just that, I feel like they appreciate the opportunity a lot more because mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have it come their way as often. Yeah, exactly. Know? And not just that, like I feel like fostering talent that people haven't seen, Absolutely. or like championing people who may not feel like they're good enough because they may not have a big following when their work is incredible mm-hmm. you know like it does a lot of good for people mm-hmm. but you know we'll have to say we'll see what happens in the future um, right but it's important all of that is important and it's amazing for you to give a platform you know irrespective of what someone's following might be hmm. you oh, know yeah. because yeah it's yeah. a noble cause i'll say Thank you very much. I'm glad somebody thinks so. Um, it's a very, very tiring, noble course, but that's cool. Um, so what is the biggest challenge of being an artist? The biggest challenge, I guess I would say, is the uncertainty. You know, there's the most enormous element of volatility and uncertainty, and that can be for anything. You know, whether you're finding the next exhibition, whether your income is the same one year to the other, whether it's like, oh my God, my inspiration is just all dried up. What am I making next? How do I continue um, to be sustainable in that way? Um, blanket statement, uncertainty, volatility, 100%. <laughs> so I love that because everybody answers that question so differently. Mm. And it's it's the only question that I ask artists in both in interviews and in real life. If I ever meet an artist in real life, that's the question I ask them. When I go to like art fairs, Mm-hmm. I'll just spend like seven hours going through each artist and asking the same question um, because it's interesting because everybody has the same challenges, but they're so different. Yeah. You know? And I love the fact that uncertainty is, is honestly such a key player in the role of being an artist. You have no idea what's going to happen next yeah. and you kind Never. of have to be prepared for it. Yeah. 
somehow yeah without knowing exactly what we're being prepared for it's, 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 it's like i want to hope and a prayer out here just you know <laughs> doing what you think is right but it ultimately you just can't be predictive and it's just it's just insane to me i, don't, I just find it bizarre that people are like yeah you know what this is gonna be my life yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like you can't there's so many moving factors it can be the economy i mean inflation mm-hmm. here i feel like has impacted very much you know people's desire for purchasing art is ultimately yeah. a want and not a need as much as like artists may feel opposite of that um but yeah i mean you can be as prepared as you want to be but you simply can't you just can't for everything so i would say yeah. uncertainty so, so do you think that being an artist gives you a different perspective on the world maybe I mean, I suppose it could. I don't know, right? Like, I I very much subscribe to the, like, everyone, um, everyone is a teacher. Everyone's sort of subjective experience of reality is very different from one another. So, sure. Um, but, yeah, I would suppose it's like you're seeing a quarter of the world that in the same way that if I were to walk on to, like, we're kind of near like NASA Goddard up up where we are. If I were to walk in there, I'm like, they're living in a world entirely separate from mine, um, at least in terms of like their day-to-day, yeah. how, you know, they interface with the world, what sort of their immediate value set is. Um, so I would say yes, but I don't know that it's necessarily, depends on, on who you're talking to, whether that's a, a fascinating thing or not. Um, so I'd say yes, but I don't know that it that it's in a different way than anyone else's is. No? <laughs> okay. Okay. It's yeah. an interesting answer. Just because <laughs> I always feel like, you know, just being an artist make you think about the world. Like, you know, because for instance, like when you leave your house mm-hmm. and you go out, assuming you do, because you're an artist, mm-hmm. you know, when you go out into the world, like the way in which the world will inspire you would be very different from somebody just going sure. to a day-to-day job. You know, yeah. someone just, you know, going on their regular commute to work, like driving down the motorway isn't going to be inspired by like, you know, how the rain shines on the sure. highway, yeah. you know, that's, that's a good for point. instance. I feel that I live life in a way that's very like aesthetic first. Um, and like, I think there's sort of like a curational aspect to anything I'm doing. I don't know. Like I'm very particular in that way. I'm a big like thrift store person. I sort of, I just love a decoration. I love a, so maybe that's a way that it sort of manifests where I'm looking at things and I'm seeing their uh, value or potential in a different way. Or conversely, maybe if my husband tells that I'm bringing home 3000 lamps in a chair that I want to rehab and it's not very magical for him. <laughs> I don't know. Um so I suppose yes, like in that way, yeah. I, I love a, I love, you know, color and and making things look beautiful. And so things like gardening or decorating are very um, fulfilling for me in a way that I don't know. Maybe it's different to other people. Maybe it's not. But yeah, but maybe a lot of people just like, oh, they're boring. Yeah. Whereas yeah, you're like, whereas you're like, they'll bring a lot of joy and interest to you, and you'll find something that you find fascinating about that. Um, right. Yeah. I guess it comes down to like creativity, like if you feel like and how you're inspired by just the world, like mm. if that makes sense, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I do. I, I feel like I am. Sometimes I'm just like, whoa, I'm living in this radiant space of like joyful and abundant, overflowing love and beauty all the time. Right. And then some, yeah, some, sometimes I do feel that way. Like the cup is just pouring over of all these sort of magical, <laughs> I'm getting so tangential, but like beauty and feelings and emotion and, and like revelatory truth of ways of being, I don't know. Um, so yeah, maybe there is, maybe there is the more parts this apart. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. So that actually kind of leads to quite nice to the next question, which is like, how has your upbringing or life experiences played a part in the work that you create? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say my upbringing um, could be pretty. So my mom is for sure my hero. She's always been a very like stabilizing, consistent force in my life. And she's someone who's a very powerful person um, who does meaningful and important work for the world. She works in social services. And so she's always been sure to, to instill in my sister and I that like, you can do it. You can do it and you should do it. And, you know, to sort of walk in who you are and, um, and those sorts of things. I mean, she's phenomenal. I think like it's a much needed balance to the chaos element that was my dad, uh, is my dad. And so like, there's a lot without getting too into the weeds, yeah. a lot of just like weird shit, <laughs> that, like growing up, um, you know, like riding around on overturned buckets without seats and belts in my dad's van during rainstorms where there's like strings attached to the wipers and you don't know if you're going to live or die. Um, <laughs> that I think has made me a very like a person who's very flexible but determined and so I think that it has made me a person I think that can that can weather you know I can take a punch on the chin and keep going and that's something that you know art includes so much rejection so much adversity so much of having to to see maybe a a negative review or um, there's also many joyful things about it but you know you have to weather that and internally be like okay and just keep going and so I think that sort of in endurance and steadfastness and then that sort of like um more volatile but also like you know I sort of in a lot of ways feel like I've how can I put it that that you can kind of live in a certain element of chaos um that is maybe a secret sauce for for how i'm living my life now i don't know <laughs> maybe I, i'm just always curious about like people's upbringings and like the way in which they are as i said earlier like, as we said earlier like exposed to art but also just kind of like how that factors in to you know like, the person you are and the career you now have because it all plays a part in some way and uh, talking about career let's get into your work so uh, yeah. for those who may not have seen it, can you please describe your work? Yes, um, it is primarily colored pencil. Um, I do use a certain element of ink or acrylic gouache, um, but primarily colored pencil. It is realism, but I think I borrow a lot from the traditions of maybe like surrealism to some degree, 
And it is work that depicts for me, um, and it's sometimes hard to put it into one sentence elevator pitch, but I think a lot about sort of the nature of sort of how we exist and function culturally. My work used to deal a lot more specifically with like digital media, but, you know, I think of the idea of, and there, I do a lot of reading, you know, books about culture um, or history, ideas of things of like, how do we define sort of tragedy or apocalypse? You know, oftentimes you think, we'll say of like, the fall of the Roman Empire. It's not like the people living there knew that they were living in the fall of a great civilization. Um, but, you know, you look back on it now and we can say it's, it's X, it's Y, it's Z, it contributed to this. It. Um, so I, I love to sort of parse apart like how culturally we define like symbols and ideas and shared experiences and sort of our connectivity as it exists digitally or, you know, realistically in person. And just examining that, you know, a lot of the work I'm doing for me is sort of meditations on those ideas. And, and maybe the idea is like the infinite, or perhaps it's like um, the idea of maybe like love and betrayal, or the idea of a tragic event and how we process that, you know, we never Rarely is it a firsthand thing. We're often experiencing it in a way that is um, online. So it's always comes to us where there's already commentary. There's this certain context. There's an idea of like truth and reality. And how do we define that? Like where we sit sort of is, is an important factor in how we define that. And so the work that I'm making... I would say blanket statement is sort of based on our culture, but each piece I hope um, is parsing apart and delving into individual aspects of that. But this uh, thing about your work is like, when I was looking at it, and I properly looked at it, I was like, this is really hard to, def to define. Mm. You know, Cause I read your statement and I was like, this is cool. It sounds really good, but I'm like, thanks. But is it about this? You know, this is a thing. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like your work is, it's so ambiguous, but not in the way that you're making it deliberately ambiguous, if that mm. makes sense. Like, yeah. you could look at it at one hand and be like, oh, this is, a, you know, a highly detailed drawing that's, you know, take took an insanely long time, mm -hmm. you know, and people can appreciate it for that. But it's more about there's actually a meaning behind it. There's a message you want to tell people. There are questions your work is asking. Yes. And it's funny you say that. I was just working on my grant for DC and I was reading my statement and I was like, this is right. Do I work about this? Um because it's hard, I do find it difficult to kind of like put it into a into a statement. So that's a kind of a I'm gonna after we speak, I'll be reevaluating that <laughs> because that exact phrase was in my head. So it's funny you said it. Um so it's like you're in my own mind. But um but yeah, I I I I find it's like I don't love when something is overly prescriptive for better or worse, right? Like I don't want to necessarily be like hit over the head with something I'd rather that people look at the work and draw their own conclusions um which happens anyway you know it's sometimes you can have you can have a statement that you think says it all and this would happen a bit in in my 
when I sort of started making work more full time, I was creating and I've taken them off my website because now it's, you know, five, five year old work. Um, but small sort of iPhone screen size pieces, very specifically about sort of digital media culture. Um, and it was very informative for me because it often like, even with the statement that I felt was very clear about what it was about, not only sometimes people maybe, and it was maybe more of a certain age bracket of you were older, maybe you weren't so fluent in memes, but um but it was also valuable because I found like sometimes it didn't matter. People thought it was lame and not worth doing anyway, um, or that it wasn't maybe um, important or culturally sort of the touchstone thing that I perceived it to be, um, you know, and and maybe you'd get written up somewhere, you know, everything is your teacher. And, and for me, I was kind of like, okay. Noted. You know, I think I'm talking to a specific subset of people in my work. Is that what I want to do or not? And is what I'm most interested in truly this specific or not? Is it this prescriptive and literal or not? Or is it that I want to make something that I find beautiful, engaging, fulfilling what I'm thinking about in my head and perhaps less directly narrative, less prescriptive, less literal, more um, expanded. I don't even, I'm trying to find the right word. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about if these memes, you know, the, the bottom line question is like, whose couch does it go over? And mm-hmm. is that interesting to me forever what I'm making? And is it sustainable to my practice forever? And so being reflective about that. And in some ways, I think it has led me to be a little bit more ambiguous and a little more aesthetics forward. Hmm. But I do feel that it has also put me in a place where the work feels more um, mine, more of a reflection of like my id, my identity, I don't know. Um, and I think sometimes it's a question, and I think it's a question I would love to ask other artists. And that I know that was a question you had to yes. ask me a lot of questions. But it's like, how important is it for all of your work to be referential to itself? I look at my work sometimes, and now I'm on a tangent, maybe. And it is stylistically the same in that, you know, it's my hand, it's my level of rendering, wherever that is. But they're not, you're not going to necessarily find the same motifs always. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm peeking in on other people's work. And I saw an artist once um, who I admire, Eric Jones. And he had said, I don't know if it was on a story or a post. And he was kind of like, you know, I'm paraphrasing. And hopefully he's a statement he still stands by. I don't know. I don't know him. But it was something to the effect of like, you know, having this successful art career is sort of making the same painting over and over and over um, with limited room to experiment or expand. I mean, I can't speak again to his exact sentiment, but it had me since always thinking like, you know, is the work I'm making quite um, disparate from one another? So that's a that's a question I would love to talk to other artists about or, or to have them kind of speak on. It's a question that exists anytime I'm making work in the back of my head. So I don't mean for it to be vague work. I hope it's 
all encompassing rather than vague, but I suppose I can't control what people take away from it, no matter what I'm making. So being probably kind of annoying, because probably annoy you slightly, but obviously I took a phrase from your statement. So I want to ask you about it. Um, and it's particularly the idea of like, it says here that Sarah's artwork explores the notion of authentic experience and, exist- mm-hmm. and existential questions that underlies the mortal experience. And just kind of mm-hmm. the idea of authentic experience. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Because I'm that kind of, that, I was just really curious about that phrase because I feel like what is authentic nowadays? Yeah, that's sort of my question too. I think about it a lot um, because there it's entirely subjective, right? I think what's fascinating about anything, you know, I'll read physics books or books about physics. I'm not a math person. I only can appreciate it purely on the level of like, you know, appreciating that, like, you know, I really like reading about like the cosmos and these things. And it's very high flute and very over my head most of the time. But it's like things are both much weirder, like things can be in um, superposition where like the the particle could be anywhere till we observe it. But yet, you know, you're looking at the object and here it is, you know, that both things are true and factual, but nothing is as it seems. You know, I talk a lot. I'm always on a soapbox. (laughs) People probably that I talk a lot about are like, shut up. But you know, I think there's like this idea, at least in America, maybe everywhere of like the public square and free speech on Twitter. And it's almost beside the point whether or not they're a private company and they can make their own rules and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it's to me fallacy because I'm like, it's not this public square of free speech on Twitter. You've already had everything you're seeing is mediated and built Mm -hmm. by the algorithms this is not a true public square. It's not, you know, it's already pulling from what it thinks you like to see. You're only choosing, you know, you're only following whoever you're following. It's like, what is true and authentic? What is um, perhaps a symbol to me of sort of this idea of like, you know, the piece I'm working on now, it's sort of about the infinite. And when I was really little, sometimes I would not be able to fall asleep at night because I'd be contemplating what the idea of being dead forever meant and like the eternal sort of um, (laughs) unknowing that that time is, and it's kind of like, it's a more highfalutin idea now as Mm -hmm. I say it, but you know, I'd lay in bed and be like, oh my God, it's forever. And, and um but is it beautiful or is it ugly? Does it matter, you know? Hmm. And, and so, you know, I'd be eight thinking about that, not quite at that level, but I, I could contemplate what eternity meant in blackness and then be like, well, you know, before I was born, there was eternity and there's no no thinking or feeling. So, but to me, it's like, that's my, um, that's my experience. It's objective to me. It's subjective to you is infinity the absolute most beautiful concept or is it the most empty um like low entropy sad end to everything 
Um, so when I'm saying authentic experience, I suppose I'm saying it in a way that it's specific to me, acknowledging that supposing, you know, all experiences um, authentic to each, but it's like, how can we define it? You almost can't, but I still want to think about it and search for it and parse it apart and spend a month trying to make this idea as beautiful and sensible to me in an art form as I can. And that's it. I can only send it out. People can love it or hate it. I don't know. Um, but for me, that's the part that I find to be fascinating. Authenticity, truth, realness. What's really the end of a civilization? What's really the end or a beginning? Or sometimes I land in a place that it's like, there's no truth. It's all meaningless. Let's just, hmm. you know... But I I love that sort of thing. I sort of love the existentialism of like, what is consciousness? Where is the line? What is life? What is real? What is, what does it mean? We don't even know, you know, not to get like super wild, but like, we don't even sure. know what it means, you know, like all, sure. what, what, what is civilization like in a hundred years or a thousand, if we're there at all, we might not be. And you know what? And, and then it's like, and that's okay. Humans aren't that special. Something else will pop up. Maybe it'll be like super bears. I don't know. But it's just what it is. You know, we can't. Um, so anyway, that's what I'm trying to like <laughs> pack in to, to the work. Do you think that that's apparent though? Though looking at your work, say like online especially, do you think that's apparent? I hope that it is. I don't know that it is. And that's where I have to release it. I think there are people who will look at the work and maybe be like, yeah, me too. And then there's people who will look at it and be like, mm, not for me. And then there's some people who might look at it and be like, well, it's just beautiful. I like it. Hmm. But all of that is valid. You know, what I ultimately what I hope and wish is the thing that I can control the least. Um, and I try very hard to create work that honors my vision that I hope and I try to be good about whenever I finish a drawing and I put it on Instagram to like sort of write what yeah. it was about. Um, but even then, if I'm like, I did a good job, that was, I feel like I really did it. Someone could still look at it and be like, that's stupid. It's, it's the part that I literally can't, I have the absolute least control over. I really hope that people love it and read it and understand where I'm coming from or just appreciate it. But uh, any artist, that's the absolute last thing we can do. And I try to be intentional and I try to be, you know, wise about my choices. Um, but only you can tell me that for yourself. You can't even tell me that for your roommates or whoever. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Can you tell me, do you think it's successful? You can be totally honest. Yeah, I think because you put context to it, yes. If you didn't have the context, then no. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because I think the thing is that, like, I, this goes into this question as well, is that because your work is so busy and it's so visual, like, it's not just, oh, this is a nice abstract painting. It's like, this is a highly detailed piece of work that you can stare at for hours and see loads of detail in. Mm. It's kind of like, I, I kind of, when I look at your work, I'm kind of like, do you want people to look at it as a thing of beauty? 
mm-hmm. or do you want people to read into it? Because I kind of feel like your work is in that really interesting middle space where like it's visually beautiful, but that's not all it is. A lot of artists create work that is just stunning just to create work that's stunning because people will be attracted to it. Mm-hmm. But your work is almost like a gateway into into bigger ideas and concepts. But it's just you need to make sure that well, I say you need to make sure, but like it's kind of up to you as the artist to make sure that people understand there is something more to it than just a, a pretty image or you know this really interesting, very detailed image. Because the things that like your work visually is incredible, and mm-hmm. particularly when you see your reels and see how long it takes to make, it's like you look at that like that's insane. Mm-hmm. But then there's all for me, like for me personally, I'd be like, why? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'd that's seek out good. those answers, but not everybody will do so. Right. You know? I think that's a great point. And that's what I mean when I say everyone's your teacher, because we'll have this conversation. And again, like when you said the exact phrase I had in mind for my statement, I'm like, okay, maybe that tells me that I do need to be revising my personal statement at the very least, you know, (laughs) and, um, you know, more communicative at best because you can't, you know, all the time I look at work and sometimes I think like, hmm, I don't get it, you know, hmm. or, um, or what, you know, I think there's like everything, there's sort of fads in the art world. And I feel yeah. like right now there's a bit of a fad for it almost like they're beautifully rendered always, but they have the look of like a bad render of something like an old N64 graphic. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I say that in a in a way that's appreciative and, and it's not a critique, but I think like, all right, it's this sort of weird render of like, you know, maybe it's like Mickey Mouse or maybe it's like a, a person or, and they're beautifully done. Maybe they're often airbrushed, but I, I say it's a bit of a fad because I see it in a, a few places and I think like, well, there's several people doing it and what is it and why? Um, and that's just me. And I like that work. I would put it on my walls, but I'm not sure it's, I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything. That sounds really bad, but I, but I think like, all right, you know, and what? And so then I, I marinate on that to say like, well, does it matter? There's some people who really love to know the story. There's in, in an art, you always have to you know, part of what you're selling, I think, is also yourself and, you know, your arts practice and then what the piece is about and what your work is about. But then there's some people who just like it. And the other day I was with one of my nieces and she was kind of like, hey, if you don't sell that piece, I'm kind of interested. I look at it and I just want to eat it. And I was like, thank you. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. But you just you can just love it. And it's not less valid. But I do. I'm. I'm saying things in the work and I do want them to be, it's important to me to talk about them. So it's a line, you know, it's like, how do you, you, yeah, you just have to, it's important to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm gathering things from you that I think will affect how I discuss and talk about my work. Um, And these are questions I ask about other work I see too, you know. I was actually just going to say, like, without sounding like, I guess, big-headed, but I think maybe it's like having conversations like this or yeah. this kind of platform that gives yeah. you the ability to be able to talk about your work in a way that you can't do an Instagram caption. Sure. Because yeah. I feel like the thing that I've definitely learned, or at least I'm definitely realizing as I speak to a lot of artists, is that 
social media and Instagram, especially, even, okay, actually any social media, because TikTok included, it can only get you so far in communication with people. Like, there's always, like, a limit, because people are always going to, yeah, people can read your captions, but they're not necessarily going to connect with you. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, as I've always said, like, it's in the DMs and the voice messages and the the actual, like, conversations you have with people outside of just, like, the post is where you really make the connections with people and how you really understand how people feel about your work. Mm -hmm. You know, if people are just liking your work, that's cool. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great boost to your ego, but sure. it's not actually giving you anything. Sitting down and talking to you and being like, "Oh, actually, kind of explain your work," or like, "What is your work?" About? Or, or "I'm curious about this." Like that is where you question yourself in the mm-hmm. best way possible. Hundred so percent. Maybe it's just maybe like for you, especially because your work is about so many different things, and it's quite a lot of you know a very broad, very wide ranging topic that you know you can have so many interesting, great conversations with so many different people about. Maybe. Instagram, maybe you just have to refigure the right platform or the right way in which you get your messages across. Maybe. And I question Instagram. I mean, their algorithm, they've done something to it. It's oh, yeah. terrible. <laughs> I'm kind of like, all right, all right, what's next? We need a new platform. Um where it is, I don't know. Who will make it? I don't know. Will Instagram, I don't think it's going anywhere, probably in the way that Facebook doesn't, but it's not really like a practical space. But it's also like, okay, where are the galleries? We got to be where they are, or the collectors. It's like, we have to, whatever the next platform is, it's going to be sometime. I wish it was here now, but before everyone agrees, it's like, okay, this is the cool place to be, you know, and this is the new thing. Um, And it's so true. It's like, it's very empty where the likes tell you nothing. The comments tell you nothing it only sort of operates in the way that like everyone, if enough people like it, then it can be boosted more mm-hmm. more people see it, but it gives you no constructive feedback mm-hmm. as to if people are hearing what you're saying and then how are they responding to and in- internalizing, you know, what the work is about and what you're saying the work is about and whether those match, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, I I feel like, oh, the statement's got to be super broad because every piece is kind of about something a little different. Is that, and that feeds into the question of each piece being aesthetically sort of not necessarily linked. Hmm. Is it a pro? Is it a con? Is it a non-issue? Is it the art world? Everyone do what you want. I don't. That's not hard. I've always said, and I feel like I said this in every interview, but I've always said like Instagram should have a feature. And when you'd like something, you have to answer why you like it. Hmm. I feel like that would always help because it's like you don't question why you like something, you just like it nowadays. And it's like, and like such a vague term. So, yeah, so I was going to say, so that, so kind of going back to the question of the question you asked me about like your work in terms of like, you know, do you get that from your work? Like, I think actually because your previous work was more related to memes and digital culture and like pop culture references, I think because that's much easier for people to understand and get. I think maybe mm-hmm. because, because of that, looking at your newer body of work or like the work you're creating now it's not as easily discernible. You know, I think anything that's with all due respect, like, like no disrespect yeah, to artists no. who use it, but anything that's I, like, anything that's like pop culture or meme related, it's like, I don't want to say like it's an easy subject, so it's not, but it's also like, it caters to a lot more people. You know, people, are, it's a universal language for a lot of people. Whereas mm-hmm. in the way you're creating now isn't necessarily, you're, the way you're, what you're creating now is very specific. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the kind of distinction of why maybe people won't necessarily understand it straight away. I 
I just love, love memes and all that, you know, pop culture kind of reference the world we very much live in. Hmm. Yeah. And it was hard. It's, and then I don't know if I'm done with it forever, but it would be, I mean, and, and maybe it's just the environment I'm in. I don't know, but it's like I did my one and only time being sort of written up, having an, ex, an exhibition written up in the Washington Post. The person who reviewed the work just didn't get it and didn't like it. You know, when mm-hmm. I read the review, the gallerist was kind of like, oh, did you see that? Like, here's the link you got written up. And I read it, I was like, I don't think he liked it that much, you know? <laughs> and um, and he definitely, or they, I shouldn't even be giving clues, but because he's perfectly entitled to all these opinions, you know, and they weren't, and that was a big teaching experience for me. Like, it wasn't wrong opinions. You know, I realized, like, it's so fluent for us, but there are some people who looked at it and was like, this is maybe the dumbest shit I've ever, <laughs> I've ever seen, you know, and couldn't have, um, couldn't appreciate, like, at the time Pokemon Go had come out and it was nuts. People were everywhere yeah. doing it. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like, Pikachu, that's so passe. Remember Pikachu? And it was like, man, you're not even living in the same same world as me. So, um, you know, it was a reckoning of like, again, like how, and maybe that's maybe in hindsight, what put me a little bit on the path of like, okay, what's this sort of like reality space? What's this, um, what's the sort of objective and real thing here? It's, it's sort of unattainable, but, um, it's worth exploring. I don't know. It's like, I can never tell, maybe this is another question for all artists, like, where are you in your arc, you know, of art making? Am I, I'm always like, this is the work I make. It's in its final form. And maybe it's never in its final form. You know, you're always being seeded by different experiences and ideas and feedback. But I wonder if that's a question that you would ever know the answer to as an artist. Because yeah. is it is it for you to be able to answer that? I don't think you can until, because yeah. one could argue until you've created your final piece ever, you'll then know the trajectory of your work yeah and i guess you wouldn't probably know you've created your final piece ever i don't know <laughs> i guess because i <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question though i don't know i don't know so yeah maybe that's a, an artist question that artists can't answer i don't know that's just... well i'm gonna ask the next person anyway you get two questions which is cool if you are if you ask me to ask two questions i will ask two questions if you are if you want three if you have think about that let me know and i'll, I'll uh, okay. be asking I mean, as well. you can choose you can keep them or throw them away, but I have been, I, I found that question towards the end of, you know, the list you gave me, I was like, that's a very fascinating one. Like art, uh, questions from artists to artists. Yes. Oh yeah. So it's like a thread that runs through the whole podcast from episode one to now, as far as I know, I think it actually does run literally through the whole end, through the whole thing. Um, Cause I always say people, it's a one question that you have to answer. You know, even if you don't answer it physically, you have to send this to me if you don't, because yeah. I need a question. <laughs> nice you're non-negotiable <laughs> because before i did the podcast i and i still do on occasion I used to do written interviews for the, the website um mm. and that was a question i used to ask i used to ask a question for the next artist and because i did interviews I, because I did the podcast i was like actually why not just transfer the podcast because that yeah. way i can reference you in the next episode and also i will send your work to the next person because mm. then i'll understand the person who asked them that question and then maybe you know you might connect you may not right. you know i'm all about connecting people as you probably are aware Probably seeing the very long list of actors I put on the end of this interview notes. 
um, I'm a big fan of connecting with people. So yeah, why not? Awesome. Appreciate it. It's an important part of the art world. It's just kind of like the only thing I do at this point. Um, literally, like literally everything I do for the five people is literally just connect artists. That's really all I do um, because mm-hmm. it's fun and I like it. And I clearly have nothing else to do in my life, so it's perfect. Um, <laughs> um, so getting back to your work for a second, well, although we don't need work anyway, but like talking about your work, like your work is very visual and it's very busy uh, because, you know, there's a lot of like just loads of different elements that kind of come together. Like why create work that is so detailed and so busy? I suppose, I mean, part of it, because one of the questions I believe you had on there too is like, how do you know when the composition's right or when it's done? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's sort of an innate knowing that you can't, it's almost like, okay, here's where I, I feel like this is it. You know, you're always sort of trying to follow the balance of like sort of what makes things visually interesting, right? Rules of thirds or making sure things are balanced or that they're very intentionally not. Um, the busyness for me, I think there is an element of challenge to it. I love and hate the feeling of kind of looking at it and being like, oh, no, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, there's also a level of kind of, you know, I think that the work still plugs into the digital experience via maybe like I want a certain element of overwhelming um, and my pieces are quite small. So I also want it to be constrained. So I'm hoping that there's an element of tension that is ideally beautiful, um, where it's like a, a, a nice assault on you in some ways where it's um, complex, it's busy, it's maybe um, you have to sit with it for a minute to sort of make sense of it or just kind of get everything that's there. You know, those are things that I feel when I'm interfacing digitally or where I'm reading something that's quite dense and and it's over my head and maybe it's about sort of quantum physics or something where it's like there's, it's so busy, it's so dense, it's so beautiful, it's so um, beyond my understanding. And yet it's everything all at once and it's iconic and it's um, often can be packaged quite neatly into a theory or something. Um, and maybe that's me not understanding things well, or maybe that's the right takeaway. I don't know. I, again, I'm not a math person and the stuff that I find that I love reading about is, is some of incorporates a lot of that, but, um, so that's what I want. You know, I want something that is busy, but it's also kind of pulled back. It's something that is, has some level of conflict with itself, you know, that it's, very vibrant. I love neon colors. I love mm. colors. I want something to be hypersaturated. I want the things that I make to exist in sort of an unreal landscape. It's realism, but it's not. Um, and they're not, you know, most of the work is not grounded. There's not like perspective. There's not necessarily yeah. shadow. It's not existing in a grounded space. Um, so I want these things to be unreal but also meeting reality in a way that I I hope that is a nod to, you know, all that I've been talking about, you know, constant barrages of imagery and things that are seeking our attention. I'm, I'm looking for that density, for that complexity, but also that distance and that space and that sterility um, that comes with all of it. 
So you just said like they're not grounded. Like that's a really interesting way to describe your work because it's almost like phone screens or computer screens, the way in which like they're not grounded to anything. It's like just Mm -hmm. like images we see on a screen Mm -hmm. placed in front of us in a realm that's not actually tangible. But to us, but it 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 kind of it's like how can I explain it without sounding like an absolute idiot? It's really interesting because it, it kind of gives me the kind of understanding, I guess, of your work now that your work is, so your work is an object, mm-hmm. right? Okay, bear with me here, okay? So mm-hmm. your work is an object and you look at it and it's visually detailed and it's small. The idea of being constrained is a nice idea, but it's, but, but that's just the surface. So basically you're painting like a surface. Yeah, mm-hmm. underneath that surface lies a whole, you know, I guess, world of meaning, but it's all for the viewer to kind of discover that underneath the kind of, I guess almost like shiny glossy exterior. Yeah. If that makes sense. So your work is like the surface. Your work is like the surface of a lake, but the the themes are the actual water underneath it. And it's yeah. up for the viewer to dive in as far as they want to. Or they can just gaze at the, the reflection. The in their water in their yeah. they can gaze at their reflection in the water and only see the shallow side, which is just the work, yeah. or they can dive in and understand the experiences underneath, I guess. That's beautiful. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, a very off the cuff analogy, but a very interesting analogy. That's I think art, that's what art is in general, actually. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I should use that analogy just to make myself sound should, smarter. It's yours, TM. You like, that's beautiful. That's a very awkwardly, a very <laughs> awkwardly thought out and kind of trying to get that vision in my mind. But I think that's interesting because like as I put here, like a vaporwave to me, maybe it's not true. And I, I when I typed it, I was a bit like, uh, what's Harry gonna think of this? But I was yeah. like, there's kind of like a vaporwave aesthetic. That concludes the first part of my conversation with Sarah Jameson. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com. Get in touch via social media such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube and Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of those platforms to help spread the word. Also, please don't forget to check out the flyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily inspiration. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. We now also have a Patreon page if you're interested in supporting the platform further. Tears start out for more pound, and more information can be found over at patreon.com forward slash the Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we now also have a PayPal for one-time donations. I'll include a link to our PayPal in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the episode today. Until next time, folks, please stay safe.